Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Sometimes when people hear the gospel for the first time, they feel uncomfortable with the use of the word saved. It's all right to say that you're a Christian or that you're a devoted member of the church or even to say that you've been converted to Christianity, but saved? Kind of a drastic word, isn't it? In today's message, evangelist Mr. David Peterson takes a closer look at this scriptural term. It's used often in the Bible. After all, didn't the angels proclaim at his birth that Christ would save his people from their sins? Didn't Christ himself say that he came to seek and to save those that were lost? And there are dozens more. Yes, the term to be saved is a biblical term, and it's referred to in different aspects. The fact that you must be saved in order to be in heaven, that there is the possibility that all sinners might be saved through Christ, and that believing sinners shall or will certainly be saved, and also the sad condition of never, ever being saved at all. These are the factors that Mr. Peterson takes up in today's broadcast. I'd like to read four different places, and beginning in John chapter 3, thinking of this subject of salvation. John chapter 3, please, and verse 17. Jesus said, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter is preaching the gospel message, and he says in Acts 4 and 12, speaking about Christ and his name, neither is there salvation in any other, in any other person. For there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. We might be saved, John 3. Acts 4, we must be saved. Now turn to chapter 16 of Acts. I'm going to trust some familiarity with the story of this jailer who woke up in the middle of the night because there was an earthquake. He thought his prisoners were gone. He was just about to take his life, and he finds out they're all there. And so... Verse 29, he called for a light, and he sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, who were his prisoners, missionaries, but prisoners, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt, or you will be saved, and your house, your family. Your family will be saved if they believe as well. Now finally, chapter 27 of Acts. And this is a story about a shipwreck. And we're just going to grab an expression from this story to make a point. Acts 27, verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide or stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. 
I want to think of this subject of salvation and these phrases that we find in the Bible concerning this great subject of salvation. And we'll look first at Acts 4. We're told that we must be saved. We must be saved. Salvation is spoken of in the Bible as a necessity, something you must have, a necessity. We must be saved. We're told in John 3 that salvation is a possibility. The world through Christ might be saved. It's possible. And tonight, I'm glad to tell you, it's possible for you to be saved and to be saved just now. A possibility. In Acts chapter 16, we're told that salvation is a certainty to all that believe on the Lord Jesus. Paul and Silas said to that jailer who wanted to be saved, he said, what must, I? he knew the necessity of it himself. He knew the possibility of it. But what he wanted was the certainty of it. And so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We read a story at the end of the book of Acts about a shipwreck. And we're just going to grab a phrase from it because you know something? This can happen when salvation will become an impossibility. Unless these stay here in this ship, you cannot be saved. So we'll look at these four things together. I want you to think first of salvation as a necessity, that we must be saved. People will say, well, why do I have to be saved? Why must, why does the Bible say we must be saved? If we must be saved, then we must be in some sort of danger. And that's absolutely true. If someone is in danger, you would tell them, you need to be saved. If someone's standing on the railroad tracks and they don't see that the train is coming toward them, they have to be saved. And it's important to point it out to them, isn't it? You must get off the tracks. You need to be saved. You need to be rescued. See, we use the word saved, and it does imply, first of all, that there is some sort of danger, right? We wouldn't say you need to be saved unless there was some imminent threat, some imminent danger. Now, it's possible that uh, people are not aware of the danger. Speaking of railroad tracks, there's a little girl that uh, used to see the conductor come by every day. This is way out west, and the train would come through that town at a certain time every day. Never failed. The engineer loved to see this girl on the front porch. She was always out there, a little girl waving to him when he went by. It, was, it got to be the day's delight to see that little girl out there. He knew she was going to be there waving. And then one day the train was late, and it was starting to get dark. And he came by and he didn't see the girl out on the porch. She wasn't on the porch. She was waving to him from the tracks. She'd wondered where the train was. And she went to the tracks to see what had happened. He said, I saw that girl out on the tracks waving to me. It was the most horrifying sight I could describe. I knew there was no way I was going to be able to stop that train in time and that that girl was going to die. She was in danger and she didn't know it. She wasn't aware of it. He said, I did the only thing that I could think to do. I, I reversed the engine to at least slow it down. He said, and then I went out on what they, well, they called it the cow catcher back then. He said, I went out onto the cow catcher and I reached out as far as I could so that I would be able to grab that girl before the train made impact with her. And right when I grabbed her, I threw her this way. And the two of them went out off the tracks. When the train came to a stop, people came out and they saw that. There's that engineer with the, with the girl in his arms. She was totally... She was saved. She was okay. He had a few bumps and a few scratches, but she was saved from imminent danger and she wasn't even aware of it. 
It may be that there's somebody in the meeting tonight, you don't realize how serious the situation is. You don't realize you must be saved. There is a danger that is ahead of you. We are talking about heaven or hell forever. And you are on a collision course with disaster. You must be saved. And if you're not aware of the danger, that's what gospel meetings are for. That you might be made aware of it. That there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. So we use the word saved because it implies that there's danger. We use the word saved as well. We use it when there's disease. If someone has a terrible disease. They need to be saved. Saved from it. Listen, all of us in this meeting came into this world with a terrible disease. With a deadly disease. The disease is sin. And unless there is a remedy for it, and unless there is a remedy embraced and taken, you will perish in your sins. You must be saved from the disease of sin. You must be saved from the danger that there is because of sin. Another reason why we would use the word saved, it implies something else. It also implies dependence upon somebody else. I go back to the tracks. If you're standing on the tracks and the train is coming toward you, you could just step off. You wouldn't say, I just got saved. You wouldn't use that word because you did it. But if you're tied to the tracks and the train is coming and someone comes along and cuts the ropes free and pulls you off, now you would say, I was saved because somebody else did it, right? Otherwise, you'd just say, I stepped off the tracks. Whew, that was a close call. Whew, I made it. I remember going hiking. We were in the mountains and uh, it's not too far from home. One of the other kids in the Sunday school class was walking ahead of me. We were going up this trail that went up some rocks to a waterfall and there was a, a good deal of spray from the waterfall on the rocks and they were slippery. And I remember we had to get from this rock to that rock and there was a pretty big distance between the two but I knew I could jump that far and he knew he could jump that far. Well, he jumped first and got up to the top of that rock that was slanted. It was slippery and it was slanted and then it was my turn and I jumped. I slipped right away and I started going down. It's about a 20-foot drop to rocks. And just at that moment, Mark, who's standing up at the top of the rock, grabbed my hand and yanked me back to the top. Now, you know what I didn't say? Whew. Wow. I made it. I, I, I helped. I saved myself. No, that doesn't make... We don't use the word sa saved when it's something that we do. We use the word saved when it's something that someone else does. And that's what he did. He saved me. He saved me from going down there. You need a savior. Someone else has to do the saving. You can't save yourself. But Christ Jesus, the Bible says, came into the world to save sinners. Jesus said, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The, the angel said to Joseph, you will name him Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. The father sent the son to be the savior of the world. That's who you need. You need the save. You need the Lord Jesus. The word saved implies dependence on someone else. And that's what you need to do. You need to depend on Christ and let him save you. Salvation. We must be saved because there's danger, because there's disease, because there's a real hell, because of our sins, we must be saved. And if you ever want to be in heaven, you must be saved. In John 3, we're told that salvation, which is a necessity, 
thank God, is a possibility. It's possible for people to be saved. Jesus said, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know what? I'm so glad I read that verse. I'm glad it doesn't just have the first nine words in it. For God sent not his son into the world. I'm glad there's more to it than that. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, the Lord Jesus wasn't sent into the world to condemn it. He didn't go around and say, now what you're doing is wrong, and what you're doing is wrong, and you have broken the law. Now there were times that he called people out for their sin. That's not why he came. He came on a rescue mission for people that already were lost, for people that already were condemned. Because listen, before God sent his son, God sent his standard. And his standard was the law. And we're all condemned because we failed to keep it. God says they're condemned, but after he sends his standard, he sends his son. That's why the Lord Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn. We already were condemned. The son was not sent. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Salvation is now a possibility. It's a possibility for all who will depend on him. The world through him might be saved. That was the purpose in his coming. A number of years ago in Liverpool, England, there was a, a building that caught fire. In the upper stories, you could see the men inside the window. They're putting their heads out the window. There's nothing they can do. The fire escape is not nearly close enough to where they were. And people are yelling out, fire, fire from below. People are gathering. Look, what are we going to do for these men? They found the longest, tallest ladder they could find. They put it up against the side of that burning building. But it didn't quite reach the windowsill where the men were. They couldn't get out and get to the top rung. So there was a man in the audience, and he started to climb up. And he made it all the way to the top. His feet are on that top rung. Close as he can get is he can get his arms inside of that windowsill and get his face just a little above it. And the smoke is pouring out. And it's hitting him in the eye. And he just said to those, he says, you climb over my body and get down and to the rungs of the ladder and you'll be saved. What did those men have to do to be saved? They had to depend on him. They had to trust him. Now that must have been a very hard thing to do. But when the flames were licking it at their backs, it wasn't too hard for them to depend on him. And they climbed out over, over his body. One at a time, those men made it all down to safety. And then the man himself came down. His hair was singed. His face was blistered. His fingers, the flesh was coming off of them. Between that fire and the safety of those men, he put himself, that those men might be saved. Can I tell you, that's what the Lord Jesus did. Between the fire, the fire of the wrath of God that raged and rages against our sin, the Lord Jesus put himself that we might be saved. How is a person saved then? When you're aware, when you are aware of the fire and of the danger, it won't be too long after you'll depend on Christ. You will trust in him. I imagine you see those men just clinging on to the back of that man as they went down one rung at a time and made it to safety. I hope there'll be somebody tonight aware of the danger that you're in that you will trust the Lord Jesus. Because if you do, that brings us to our next thing. 
Not now salvation being a necessity and salvation being a possibility. But thankfully, there's such a thing as salvation being a certainty to all that will depend and trust in the Lord Jesus. Here's this jailer who's been given the charge of Paul and Silas. Here's your prisoners. They've been preaching the gospel. He gets out the whip, lashes them, puts them in the dungeon, and locks them up. He goes to sleep. And he hears singing. Not the kind of singing that he might have been used to hearing in a prison. These songs come from the Bible. They're singing songs. Psalms is what they're singing. I don't know what it was that they were singing. I don't know what, I'd, that's one of the things I guess I'd like to ask when we get to, Paul and Silas, what were you singing in the prison? I'd like to know. They're singing away, and suddenly there's a great earthquake. The whole prison is shaking, and chains are coming, being loosed. Doors are opening, and the jailer wakes up and he sees, doors are open, prisoners' bands are loose, I'm done. I'm finished. I might as well die with a little bit of dignity. So out comes the blade, and he's about to fall upon the blade, and he hears a, a, a voice that says, Sir, do yourself no harm, for we're all here. I give you the details of that for this reason. When he says, what must I do to be saved? He's not talking about his life being saved. Because his life just was saved. When he found out that the prisoners were still there. What's he talking about? He's talking about his soul being saved. What must I do to be saved? He, he sees the danger. He recognizes the danger and the disease. And he's not really sure what to do about it. So he comes to these men, men that he just beat hours before. He falls down before them. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did they say to him? Don't do anything. Go back to your bed. You can't do a thing. Is that what they said? They pointed him to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what? And now you might be saved. You shall be saved. You will be saved right at that very moment where you trust him, when you trust him. I go back to that story, the previous story of those men trapped way up in the top story. They come down from that ladder and you ask them, are you saved? Well, yes, I'm saved. Are you sure? I'm sure. I used to be up there, you see. I used to be where the flames were. I'm certain I'm saved. I'm, I'm down here. I'm, I know. I've been rescued. I want to tell you salvation is as certain as anything can be certain. And more so, you can be sure tonight that you're saved because there is a Savior that is worth trusting and depending upon. That's the Lord Jesus who suffered on the cross for our sins. Salvation is a certainty. And listen, don't settle for anything less than that. Don't leave here tonight unless you're 100% sure you're going to heaven. Can people really be 100% sure they're going to heaven? As long as it doesn't have anything to do with them, yes. If it has something to do with you, you'll never be sure. People come up with all kinds of ideas and you ask them, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? They say, well, I'm doing the best that I can. What a bunch of nonsense. Nobody does the best. That's just something people say. I'm doing the best that I can. No, you're not. Be honest. At least admit you're honest. No one does the best they can. And even if they did, it's not good enough. If it has anything to do with you, you'll never be sure. If it has everything to do with Christ, you can be 100% sure. Christ came into the world. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And you can have salvation as a certainty. The last thing, Acts 27. I just wanted to take this phrase out of the story and use it for the meeting tonight. Paul uses this phrase 
except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. There's such a thing as salvation becoming an impossibility. I thought, well, how could that be true? If you die in your sins, you cannot be saved. It's too late. If you die without Christ, you cannot be saved. It's too late. Those that are in hell just now, those that have left this world, that died in their sins, no amount of praying will ever deliver them. No amount of money will ever rescue them. No amount of toil. No, it doesn't matter what is done. Not even the cross of God's own son can now save them. They're beyond the possibility of reach. They cannot be saved. That's how serious and solemn the gospel message is. There is a place where sinners go from which there is no return. If you die in your sins, you cannot be saved. Now there's another way this could be true. If you won't let Christ save you, you can't be saved. If you won't let him do the saving, you can't be saved. A number of people that were forced to cross this, this river and uh, there had been an enormous amount of rain and they had to get across and the water was much deeper than they anticipated and a good number of the people that were with them drowned. There was one young man that made a desperate attempt to save his mother and the waters were swirling around her and he, he said to his mom, he said, Mom, just let go and let me save you. And she wouldn't listen. And she kept thrashing around and grabbing a hold and trying to do what she could do. And his mother did perish in the water. At the funeral later, it was difficult to hear it. But over and over during that funeral service, you just heard this young man saying over and over again, Oh, Mom, Mom, how much I wanted to save you, but you wouldn't let me do it. How much God wants to save you. Will you let him be the savior? Will you let him save you? Will you stop all of the thrashing around and all, all that you're trying and all that you're formulating? Listen, it's not working, is it? It's not doing any good. It's not working. Why not just let go? Stop and let the Lord Jesus do what he does best. Let him be the savior. Let him save you. And if you will, if you will let go and you trust him, you have this assurance. It doesn't matter what people say. Here's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what people even say about this verse, but this is the word of God. Believe, depend on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yes, the Bible makes it clear that we must be saved. We hope that all of our Anchor Point messages have convinced you of this. But we also trust that you will understand the wonderful provision that God has given so that you might be saved through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the possibility is there. Heaven's gates are open, as it were. Will you enter in? If you do, the Bible gives you strong confirmation that you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, says the word of God, and you will be saved. So here's the question for you. Are you saved? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. 
Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.